Hi everyone, and welcome to the 137th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and today, it's just me. But, first and foremost, I want to say, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2018. Welcome to the year that you're going to be playing Kingdom Hearts 3. Knock on wood. Not actually going to do that, because that's, that's bad for audio. That's that's what they tell me. But, uh, yeah, Sabi and Churro, they, they, they were uh, quite busy with various things. And, uh, yeah, got got to do the show regardless. But, hey, good news. I'm recording this way later than I should be. And because of that, I got more uh, information and news and stuff like that. We got a, we got a big show and we got to, we got to have a talk. This is going to be a serious start to the year because we need to talk about the shenanigans that are going down regarding rumors. Uh, these are a lot of things that, you know, have been coming to light over the past, uh, while that we've been, uh, off the air. And I, I, I want to talk about that with you guys. One on however many listen to the podcast. So let's let's get into that. Anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania. We have a two-segment show today. Our first segment is the Rumors segment. That is in contrast to the last episode where we just had a rumor segment. So just a singular rumor. This time, it is plural rumors. We need to talk about this stuff. And finally, we have our question segment where we answer, well, where I am going to answer questions from you guys. In the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show and you want to support us, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. Just pledge a dollar and get access to a special podcast called Please Be Excited. Our Patreon executive producers for this episode are Blue Machine, who is at Blue Machine on Twitter, Lewis James, Barry Norton, who is at Nortron Zero, Chris Morales, Eric Decker, who is at Chaco Taco, Jonathan Gonzalez, who's at Oh It's Just Johnny, Marcus Karnecki, Michael Graham, Thorne Bullen, who is at Massacre23, Zach Duranto, who is at ZDuranto58, Billy Jackson, who's at underscore Billy Jackson, Darren Matthews, who's at Doomster773, Dustin Smith, John McRae, Joseph Robertson, who's at Pokemon Trainer J, Josh McNabb, who's at J2K9, Keith Field, who's at The Mighty Keith, Mario Herker, Mike, Mike Shirley Donnelly, who's at, Curi- at Curious Quail, Michael, uh, Miles Ribbons, Mohamed Koyam, Nico Gonzalez, who's at Nick underscore Knack 95, Rachel Casserton, who's at Orba Yoon Ray, Richard Holman, who's at Vex Lennon, Tyson Wildman, who's at Ty Wildman 1, Vita Nitas, who's at V underscore Tron 5000, Zach Porter, who's at Porter Paradox, and Zelda Clone, who's at Apes Type Novels. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. So if you guys have any questions for us regarding anything related to Kingdom Hearts, of course, Please send them to khuquestions at gmail.com. And if you have more than one, send them in the same email. And we can use it over the course of various episodes. I can tell you that uh, many of the 
people who are featured in this episode have done just that. So you'll you'll hear from them from ver- in various episodes, actually. So moving on to the rumors segment. All right, so let, let's let's do a quick uh, last time on Dragon Ball Z for a second. So last time on Kingdom Hearts Union, we were talking about a rumor regarding some leak screenshots that we were like we we're not sure so much like are these legit are these not legit well um i can tell you uh we have reason to believe now that they are legit because last time we only had two screenshots uh now we have like i want to say like five five six or seven around there it, it's a lot and there were a lot more and there were a lot more like uh very plausible things to add on that so let's just go on the record and say yeah that stuff's that stuff's legit at least the monsters inc stuff moving from there uh that wasn't the only stuff that was leaked and we're going to be discussing some of that stuff uh, a little bit more right now so let me get into a quick disclaimer so just to be clear about what we're going to be talking about right now we will not now or in the future be talking about any of the specific content contained within these leaks any further obviously we talked about the monsters inc stuff but that was like very widely publicized and hard to avoid so you know we wanted to talk about it but going further because of the uh depth and breadth of these leaks we will no longer be talking about the specific content of the leaks nor the parties involved the kingdom you know the kingdom hearts development team and their development partners who uh appear to be affected by these particular leaks so that being said so that's what we're not going to talk about let's talk about what we are going to talk about so what we will discuss is the type of information that was leaked and what can what information you can gain and what conclusions you can come to based off of the type of leaks that were released so we won't be talking about you know the specifics like we're i'm not going to be talking about what worlds were mentioned that being said i will let you know that based off the information here you will learn about a couple of worlds that we didn't know about uh i will also say that these uh the content shown does not appear to cover every world in in the game that being said is a lot of worlds so uh there's a lot of content here uh we will not be getting into the specifics of it but we will get into the uh more of the nitty-gritty of what kind of stuff was in there and what kind of information we can find out from that without spoiling the specifics of what what it actually was all right so i hope i hope as we get into this that'll become more clear so uh going back to what we were talking about last episode when we talk about the monsters inc stuff uh basically uh that guy on the forum said he you know uh, he knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy that uh found some ftp server and found these screenshots on them uh turns out that was legit or, or it uh based on the information i've seen and all the all the the huge vast 
volume of content that I've uh, witnessed, uh, it's very clear that that is probably the case that this is legit. Uh, so yeah, as crazy as that sounds, it seems like that's what happened. Uh, next, um, so the kinds of stuff that were on that server. So there was a a massive set of folders with a lot of detailed names of assets and, uh, you know, it seems like, uh, based on the reports that we've seen that there were about 10,000 files, associated with the specific particular server um the types of files that were in there were images uh photoshop documents even ztl doc documents ztl files so for those of you who don't know what ztls are those are zbrush tools zbrush for those of you who don't know is a 3d sculpting program so, uh, and by, by the way, we're, we're going to get super technical here. <laughs> so if you like game development talk, you're in the right place. Cause this is, we're going to be getting into a lot of inside baseball with regards to how game development goes and game development asset production pipeline. So if you're into that, dude, you, you came to the right show. So, uh, yeah. So basically the, here's, here's the production pipeline for how 3d models get made in, in a, modern triple a game uh first you know there's the conception stage uh uh, what that will usually uh start with is looking for reference photos uh you know things that you would want to uh be inspired by so these could be shots from movies or photographs or anything that's going to get the the ball rolling in, in terms of what what you want for a particular 3d model uh next step would probably be concept art uh so that would be like 2d drawn and or painted art that uh would sort of work out what you want to what you want this particular asset to look like uh especially especially if it's a more of an original type of thing if it's something like set dressing or props that you know, you don't really need to think too hard about. You probably don't need that. So, uh, an example of an asset like that. Let's say uh, you're doing, hypothetically speaking, like a Snow White level. By the way, Snow White was not included in any of this, so uh, it's fine for me to uh, go down this path of that hypothetical. So, if I was going to do a Snow White level and I was going to model that stuff out, uh, I might have a bunch of screen grabs from the movie uh, and. You know, maybe let's say uh, I need to model a ruby, for example, like like for the, uh, you know, in Snow White, they have the the seven dwarfs and they're miners and they work in a mine. So if I wanted to model a ruby, maybe I would take some screenshots from Snow White and just look at some of the rubies there. And I can go straight to modeling from from there because it's kind of like, you know, the design of that's already worked out. Whereas, let's say uh, a different kind of asset. Let's say I want to make a a new heartless, like an like an enemy character. So something like that. If it's something brand new that's never been designed before, it's not like a tree or a shovel or something that is like existent in the real world. If it's something like that, then uh, first you'd probably again find reference photos of like maybe animals that you want to be inspired by maybe other monsters that you think would fit in or 
maybe statues or something. I don't know. And so once you've got those reference photos from there, you might have a concept artist like draw out what your specific monster is going to look like to make sure that it's an original thing. And then from that, from those, and it might not just be one drawing. It might be a series of drawings. Uh, Sometimes they'll have like, you know, a, a very loose rough drawing at first and then they'll do a very precise and the most boring drawing ever of a front view and a side view because uh something you guys might not know if you if you've never done 3d modeling is in the modeling program if you have a perfect front view and a perfect side view and if it's the exact, you know, if it's a character and it's the exact same pose, what you can do is you can actually put in the 3D modeling software on like a flat, uh, like a flat plane, you can put that drawing that you just did in 3D space. You can pretty much literally trace the painting that you just did or more more likely the modeler is going to be a different person from the concept artist so the concept artist could send over a perfect you know structural drawing of what that thing's supposed to look like and then the modeler can literally like trace over it in 3D space because they're the the image is behind is behind the model and then they can look from the side and then they use the side view to flesh it out in 3D. So once you have the 2D reference, what the artist will then do is is they'll use ZBrush. And what ZBrush is, is a, a 3D sculpting tool. And emphasis on sculpting. Uh, this is not necessarily like a typical 3D modeling program. In a 3D modeling program, you're putting vertices and polygons in 3D space to make a model and that's that that is good and still valid and uh will absolutely you know be a part of the modeling process at some point but uh usually that means you have to start at a lower polygon count cuz you have to you have to place the polygons by hand and it takes forever uh so usually we'll start at a lower polygon count and then work your way up uh whereas these days what generally happens is they start at a high high polygon model and they go lower from there. And when I say high polygon, I mean like the sky's the limit polygon count. Like you can have as much as you want. And when I when I say as much as you want, I'm talking in the millions. You basically, you don't have to think about polygons. Basically, in these programs, the modelers have full free reign to sculpt as if they're working with digital clay to make it as detailed as they can possibly make it you know, it's, it's nuts. If you've never seen a a ZBrush, uh, model, model, uh, being created, I would highly recommend just go on YouTube, search, uh, ZBrush speed modeling and just click on pretty much any video that you see and, uh, be amazed. Uh, I mean, I'm sure many of you have seen like speed paints on YouTube of people who have, uh, you know, maybe they'll work in Photoshop and they'll quickly paint something really amazing. Uh, imagine that but for a model and it's amazing and it's in three-dimensional space it's really cool so uh yeah so basically (laughs) the long and the short of it is the uh in this leak many zbrush files were found uh and yeah that's not good 
and also Photoshop documents. Oops, PSD files. That's also not good. So lots of different file types. Now, something interesting about the file types that are here, you know, we're looking at, got a lot of JPEGs, you know, a lot of photos that are reference. So a lot of reference photos, uh, a lot of Photoshop files, a lot of ZBrush files. So all of these things, and I've kind of been hinting at this, all of these things are parts of the workflow from model creation. And uh, in addition to this, in the structure, in the file structure, so in the folders that were containing all of these things, there was an acronym there that uh, I won't, again, out of respect for the parties involved, uh, I'll just say that the acronym is uh, not confirmed, but it is very likely that this particular acronym is associated with an, a 3D modeling outsource company uh, based in another country. Uh, this has also been corroborated by the fact that the uh, the uh, IP address of this particular server was state was uh, in a particular country that this uh, modeling studio is based in. Again, not naming any names, not naming any countries out of respect for the people involved, but it seems like uh, the nature of this leak is that. Uh, some, you know, there, this particular outsource company that Square has been working for to mass produce models for Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, they had some sort of an unsecure server that people were able to find, uh, pretty easily either through malicious means or just like maybe it was out there in the public that I'm not a hundred percent sure about, but regardless, that stuff was out there and it was accessible in a very unsecure way. Uh, in terms of the timeline of how accessible it was at first, it, uh, files were accessible. Uh, and that's how they got the monsters Inc screens. Uh, so at first files were accessible, then square shut that down, like pretty much right after the, uh, monsters Inc fiasco happened. That being said, like right after that, it was still possible to see the file names and that's uh and it thankfully uh it seems that not many files were taken off the server uh but uh because the file structure was visible for a long time we could see a lot of the file names and a lot of the file names were descriptive enough that you could figure out what worlds they were associated with as well as the kind of information it was for. So we're talking uh, screenshots from movies that were being used as references in addition to the uh, files that these references were designed to be references for. So for example, uh, you know, going back to that hypothetical Snow White scenario, uh, you know, there would have been a bunch of... uh, uh, files in there that might have been like, uh, let's say, SW, like for Snow White. It would be like SW underscore uh, uh, shovel screenshot dot JPEG. 
and maybe there'll be like five of those and uh then maybe the next file will be like uh, sw underscore shovel dot sdl ztl and that you know there would be you know you got files for the particular uh reference and then you got files for the thing that reference was for and uh and then in addition to that you just have miscellaneous files that aren't related um uh, but are models or are like map files uh not not map files as in like unreal engine map files i'm talking like uh maybe like map design files uh so so yeah nothing specifically from the game but information design perfectly for the outsource company to work with to create the deliverable assets for the kingdom hearts team so yeah needless to say uh the ability to view the server at all has been completely revoked it's completely shut off and personally i would not be surprised if uh maybe contracts were canceled or people were fired or something over this because the breadth of this leak is pretty severe thankfully really no story information was revealed so that is good uh i will say though uh at least for one of the worlds that we already knew about um there were a lot of reference files that hint at what kind of areas are going to be in this level so um you know it kind of hints at what sort of places you're going to be going to so for example if this was like uh like wonderland uh from kingdom hearts one you know just just to use a safe example a a safe hypothetical uh you know if this was wonderland there were assets that sort of hinted that you would see the doorknob that you would go to the queen's courtyard that you might have seen you might have go to the mad hatter tea party area you know files that would be associated with particular areas were present for uh, again not not for alice in wonderland but like for a world that we already know about um so that that i mean in a roundabout way that is that is spoil spoilerific you know there are spoilers there so uh and again that's not why that, that is part of the reason why we are not going to talk about the specifics of this uh in addition even for some of the uh some of the worlds that we didn't know about uh i i, I guess it's okay to mention how many worlds that we didn't know about I believe there was just two that were in there. One of them's not so. I guess neither of honestly, neither of them are a big surprise. But again, unannounced, we're not going to touch that. Um. Uh. But at least from my own personal opinion, uh, at, at least from what I remember from the list that was there, uh, it did not appear that anything too spoilery was shown or at least is at least available now. I don't know how much was there uh, again, just, uh, uh, just to be completely transparent. I did not actually go and look at the server. Uh, these are uh, what I have seen are secondhand accounts of people that have. So I don't know if there was more. Uh, and personally, I'm not, I don't want to know. Uh, as I've said in the past, I'm trying to avoid spoilers as much as possible. And I'm actually personally kind of disappointed that uh, this stuff got out. And, you know, 
regardless of my own personal feelings, I did look at what is still currently publicly available just so I can inform you guys of uh, in a safe way of what is out there and what to basically avoid. So yeah, just fair warning. Uh, I would say if you saw this stuff, it's not going to ruin your day. Uh, no, uh, the good news is, as far as I can tell, no new final assets were shown. No new areas were shown. The only information that was shown was more like reference photos for these particular games, which on its own, if that was what was released, I personally wouldn't believe the the leak. But the fact that this is also the place where they got the Monsters, Inc. stuff, that leads me to believe that this is a legitimate leak. And as a result of that, not touching that with a 10-foot pole in terms of, like, specifics. But, uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much the long and the short of it, of the leak. And uh, I just want to be, you know, wanted to let you know, guys know what has been leaked or what kind of things have been leaked without divulging the specifics of it and to let you know that we're not going to be talking about any further leaks uh we might talk about it in this way where you know if if a leak does come out uh we can let you know what kind of stuff came out and then maybe where it came from in you know a general sense without naming parties involved you know just to be respectful to everybody but also be informative to you guys um but uh hopefully nothing like this happens again so moving on to another rumor, which is completely separate from this, uh, and I think is not not a bad thing. Th- this ru- this rumor I'm totally fine with. This I think this is like the, <laughs> the nicest kind of rumor. Safe. Uh, so there is a Japanese uh, music producer, uh, well, a composer and music producer. Uh, he calls himself Phi from Surge. Now I'm not too familiar with him, so I, I, I'm not sure if. Surge is like a group of DJs slash music producer composers, and then this is five from that group. I I did not uh, see any group called Surge, but uh, uh, he uh, whoever this guy five from Surge is, uh, he's uh, stationed in Japan, and he is legitimately a uh, composer producer DJ. Uh, if you know you can find his twitter and you can actually see his stuff on youtube he's got quite a few songs on there really good remixes oh my god so good so uh basically this guy has uh gone on twitter to say that uh he's really excited and that he's uh actually uh been contracted by square Enix to work on uh kingdom hearts 3 to do uh remixes of a uh, a battle theme and a world theme for a particular world in Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, it also came out that apparently this guy already worked with Square and he worked on Kingdom Hearts 2.8 uh, again for a remix of a particular song. Now, to be clear, this guy was not the one who did uh, the Hikari Ray of Hope mix. He did not do that. That was uh, DJ Poonpi, I believe, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. So, uh, I was like looking at the 0.2 track list and then the, uh, and then the, uh, back cover track list to see if there's like any like techno tracks, but, uh, it didn't seem like that was the case. Uh, that being said, like, 
it's kind of a misconception that these uh these DJs uh, only do that style of music. A lot of them do contract work for games or TV or for movies or whatever, and they do like a wide range of stuff. So uh, I think I'm not 100 percent sure, but this is my guess based on what I read from his tweet. Uh, it I, I, he said he specifically said remix. So he said remix, which means uh, he made a remix of a song for 2.8 and he also made remixes of uh a battle theme and a world theme for a particular world in kingdom hearts 3 so he specifically said the word remix uh which means remix uh, in, well in japanese but it's, it's really just english it's just their pronunciation of it um so what i can guess is that what he means by remix is what we would probably call an arrangement so uh, in a lot of these, uh, in, in a lot of games, and l- let's use Final Fantasy 15 for example. In Final in Final Fantasy 15, there's a lot of songs that are not like they're not original songs, but they're like re remixes or rearrangements of other themes in the game. So there's like you know th- there'll be like maybe five like big songs that are really common in this in, in Final Fantasy 15, but there's several variations of it like maybe a different instrumentation maybe one with like a different mood maybe a more epic version of it or a more somber version of it i think that might be what this guy is referring to that might be what he's doing uh which is actually kind of a a really exciting thing for kingdom hearts because um while kingdom hearts has had uh, songs with variations in the past uh, one example would be like the gummy ship theme uh in kingdom hearts one there was like two two different versions of that uh we haven't really seen that for battle slash world themes though usually kingdom hearts games when there's a variation of a song it's usually more uh, uh, usually save for more important scenes or like character themes like for example Kyrie. Kyrie literally if you look at the the soundtrack for kingdom hearts one there's Kyrie one Kyrie two Kyrie three and it's the same song but rearranged in three different ways or there's one version and it's rearranged twice so there's two different like alternate versions so i'm thinking that's what this guy says he's doing and that that to me is like super awesome because think about like, you know, let's use Olympus Coliseum for, for an example, let's say we're playing in Olympus Coliseum and there's like a standard version of the battle theme and a standard version of the world theme, but maybe later in the game, things get more chaotic and maybe like the, you know, the Titans are coming around and, uh, mucking things up and Hades is going crazy launching fireballs and you know it's like looking like the end of the world and maybe you know they hire they they outsource to some uh other musicians to help uh Shimomura-san with the uh with the arrangements and maybe they'll be hired on to add more uh variations add more versions of the same song to suit different uh progressions of the of the world or another example that could be kind of plausible let's say in toy story uh you know you got your world theme you got your battle theme uh but maybe when you're out and about outside there's like a light version of it that's like kind of uh you know kind of peppy and like 
I don't know if they're going to use the Toy Story theme, but like something like that, light and, a light and peppy version. But when you go to Galaxy Toys, maybe it's like a cooler, like different variation of it. I mean, a lot of games do this, but it's just to me really interesting if Kingdom Hearts starts to do this. And could you imagine if like every world for like distinct parts of the world if they like made variations of the main theme to match like the new areas like that to me just sounds so cool so i think that's all really interesting that being said uh this guy five from surge uh we have no uh we have no record that he did in fact work on the uh on kingdom hearts 2.8 he was not credited that being said Again, this is going to be a little bit inside baseball, but the music production in general, not just for games, but just in general for everything, is one of those industries where so many people go uncredited. Like, I I don't want to get too far into it, but basically, if you listen to any music, especially pop music, the people who are singing that song are like so many layers removed from the people who created the song. You know, the the people that you see that are front facing, they're just the pretty face. They're just the talent like the the actual real producers that created the stuff that you're listening to are like way in the background. You never hear about them, really. Well, actually, these days, because of social media, we're starting to know more about them. Uh, I would just say, like, if you want to learn more about that, like, look into a guy like, uh, well, th- this guy's kind of a jerk, he, but Dr. Luke, for example, that's someone I, I, I'm aware of. Uh, he's a producer that works with a lot of, like, pop pop groups. So if you ever wondered why a lot of pop stars have a similar sound, it's because, like, the real creators of the music you know, you've got these really prominent music producers and they make the music for like pretty much everybody. And also, if uh, if you guys like, uh, for example, Korean music, K-pop, uh, K-pop especially, a lot of those groups, they buy their songs from America, from American music producers or even from Europe, from like Swedish music producers, and they will localize them to Korean and then uh, they'll get, you know, the, and then they'll, you know, put their own spin on it. And that's how they create that song. Uh, so uh, I'll say, a, a, you know, a really great example. If you want to hear something about this, and this is like kind of eye opening. Uh, if you, again, this is just for people who are like into K pop. If you don't like this, don't bother. But uh, there's a really prominent group, Girls' Generation, uh, in, in in Korea, and they had a really popular song back in the day called uh, "Run Devil Run." So Google "Run Devil Run," listen to it in Korean. Oh wow, it's so nice. Then Google "Run Devil Run Kesha." So uh, back in the day, before Kesha got famous, uh, she used to do demos, uh, and basically she would sing demo versions of songs for music producers. And they would take that demo. So a music producer would compose the song. They'll get like one of their friends or just like a uh, another music producer that has a good singing voice or something, and they'll they'll do a treatment on it, and they'll they'll sing the song as if they're you know as if it's a final version, 
And then from there, they'll go and market it to different uh, different labels to sell that song to to find someone to uh, put that song on somebody's album. And I think it's called Being Placed. It's really like if you want to get into it, it's really interesting. Like if you look at someone's album, like in reality, it's not one sound or one music producer. They're like getting these songs from like all different creators, but then like only Rihanna sings it. <laughs> it it's so crazy. So really interesting. So yeah, back in the day, yeah, Kesha apparently was uh not only a ghostwriter, but she also did uh, demos for other producers. Really interesting stuff. But yeah, uh, so just because Fire from Surge was not credited on anything for Kingdom Hearts so far does not mean he didn't work on it. Uh, there are a lot of people that have worked on Kingdom Kingdom Hearts stuff that we don't know about. Uh, there's a lot of people, uh, especially for more recent stuff uh, in particular, uh, so, something that pops into mind right now is like Final Fantasy thir- 13, specifically after the original 13, like 13 2 and Lightning Returns. There were a ton of musicians that worked on that that you don't know about. Uh, and actually, a, like, not not an insignificant amount of like Western musicians, like, uh, living in Japan. Actually, uh, stumbled upon one who he was on youtube and he was just doing an interview uh about living in japan and he was like talking about oh yeah uh, i'm a music producer and uh you know i i do uh you know personally in my own time i create gospel songs and but uh you know for my main gig is i i I make songs for like tv shows and stuff like that and uh uh, you know most most recently i've been doing a lot of games and he talked about how he did music for final fantasy 13 2 and uh also xenoblade chronicles x but this guy was never uh credited on either of these games so yeah just so you know music production (laughs) if you ever want to get famous don't be a music producer i mean I guess it doesn't really matter. Or if you want to be in the music business but not have to be a celebrity, that's the way to go. I guess that's a positive way to think of that. All right, so uh, I think that pretty much covers the rumors uh, for this episode. Let's move on to the questions. So uh, our first question comes from Giovanni Rivera. Uh, So the first question is, uh, so Giovanni Rivera asks, now that the... Now that the technology on current-gen consoles makes large-scale battles possible, what dream battle would you like to see happen in Kingdom Hearts 3? For example, the Seven Guardians of Light versus the Thirteen Darknesses all at once. Something like the Heartless War that we saw in early footage of Kingdom Hearts 2, or, uh, for example. Uh, so yeah, really, uh, really interesting thought. Um... So my, my, my first thought about this, so what, so, so now that we've got current gen consoles, you know, let's think about this for a second. The last time Kingdom Hearts was on like a demanding console, quote unquote demanding, the most demanding console the Kingdom Hearts has been on has been the PS2 or the 3DS. The, the, that's been the peak up until this point. So, uh, we've obviously moved quite far ahead of that. You know, we skipped a generation pretty much, and now we're on the PS4, uh, PS4 and Xbox One. So what can be done now? 
Um, one thing to keep in mind when when thinking about this kind of stuff, and you know, obviously Square thinks about this too, is that just because the technology is newer doesn't necessarily mean uh, you know you can do that much more in terms of game design because. Uh, I mean, you can, you can. Let me let me just be clear. Uh, but certain ideas may not necessarily be that much easier than they were back then. So, uh, for example, uh, a large scale battle with like th- thousands of people. Like back in the day, when I was in high school, after I finished Kingdom Hearts two, I just thought, wow, I can't wait for Kingdom Hearts three on the PlayStation three. Could you imagine they did a thousand heartless in Kingdom Hearts two on the PS two? Well, like, what if? Think about this. What if on the PS three they did ten thousand heartless? You know, like the PS3 is so much stronger than the PS2 that could do ten thousand no problem. You know, naive Brandon. Uh, now, not saying they can't, but I, I think for a lot of us, we'd be kind of ex- expecting a, a you know a little bit more than that. Um, the thing, or <laughs> so not saying they can't, but there are certain obstacles that keep it from scaling in that way so for example one particular obstacle that we have uh moving to next gen development is or sadly current gen (laughs) we're so behind with kingdom hearts it's sad but whatever so uh one thing that, that that holds us back is the fact that not only do they have to progress in terms of the kind of encounters that that they create but also graphically speaking every asset on the screen has to be exponentially more detailed so unfortunately a lot of the uh, resources that are required to put the game on the screen is uh, devoted to prettier graphics or a slightly larger world you know or more detailed you know more detailed models more detailed characters you know you back in the day on the ps2 you know you're dealing with a standard definition game on a standard definition television uh that thousand heartless battle was actually not that crazy uh the way they did it i mean it is but the way they did it is like you know it, it literally is a cheat so the way they did the thousand heartless battle back in the day was basically only 20 of the heartless that you saw were actual full 3d models the rest of the however many heartless you're seeing on screen were basically flat 2d cardboard cutouts just sitting in space that that you would see and as you walked closer to them they would swap that flat uh, model for a full 3d model and they would basically just be constantly keeping track of how many should be there and that based on that that would determine how many cardboard cuts they put out and how many three actual 3d models they have it was really ingenious and and uh, honestly if they did it again today they would probably still be doing that to some extent at least um so uh while they can so that's so one of one of the obstacles is that 
you know, you've got you still have a lot more overhead that you have to deal with. The graphics are a lot prettier. AI is going to be more complicated, stuff like that. In addition to that, there's the concept of fun. You have to make the encounter fun. And I, while I really do love the Thousand Heartless battle for what it was, if you really think about it, at some point it kind of gets a little bit boring because, yeah, you're fighting a bunch of Heartless, but they're kind of basic and there's not really too much to do. It's really just mashing the X button and then mashing the triangle button. And it's really not too much gameplay wise. So what tends to happen and, and you know, this might, you know, blow your mind a little bit. I kind of hope it is. It probably won't. <laughs> what am I kidding? So what tends to happen is so because they've got the, their budget, the way the way the way it is you know in terms of you know they've got more processing power so when they have to decide what to do they'll usually decide okay how can we make this more fun we can either have more enemies you know let's say you know we want to add more enemies so when they're deciding what they can do with this extra over uh, with this extra so when they're deciding what to do with the extra resources they have, they need to find something that is interesting and fun and compelling to do. Back on the PS2 days, a thousand heartless, you got it. That's awesome. And uh, they've actually revisited that concept uh, several times. Even in Birth by Sleep, there was a crowd battle. It was those floating uh, jellyfish-looking heartless. Uh, so they even did, did that on the PSP. So they've done that several times. And they, I mean, to be fair, they might do it again. But uh, in terms of what's fun, what tends to happen these days is instead of having more enemies, they'll have huge enemies, you know, Shadow of the Colossus style. And hey, what do you know? Look at uh, look at Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, look, there's the Rock Titan. You know, you got this big, massive enemy. To be fair, we fought the Roth Titan before, but, like, he's bigger and better and bolder, and, like, he's on a mountain, and he's, like, doing all this crazy stuff. He's throwing these massive boulders at you. You're running up a mountain, like... And I feel like that's where a lot of the new technology is being put towards, is instead of having more instead of thinking on a just numbers basis like oh yeah let's crank up the number of heartless that'll make it more fun instead of something like that they're focusing on more interesting experiences and trying to create more interesting things which i definitely respect and personally feel like that's the way they should be going that being said uh so for the example that you gave you know what if you know, you had the seven guardians of light versus the 13 darknesses all at once. Now, yes, they, you know, they could probably do that. And to be fair, uh, if you look into like the, um, the mod, the modding scene for kingdom hearts two and all the stuff that they have done with action replay, they have put a lot of enemies and allies all at once in scenes and let, like, let that, battle go out and like that gets crazy like it's super chaotic 
Um, you know, you need not look too far because even in uh, e- even in Kingdom Hearts 2, like if you go through the Hades Cup, there are some battles in there in the Hades Cup. Like you got Cloud, you got Yuffie, you got uh, Squall. Is Tifa also in that one? I don't know. But, you know, you have a bunch of characters all at once fighting. And these were bosses that were originally de- designed to be fought individually. So if they did do a seven on 13, you know, full on like 20 people fighting all at once. If they did something like that, I don't think it would necessarily go down that way. Like where it's just literally just dump the characters as they were before into a battlefield and just let them run loose. I don't think they would do that. I think they would make it Maybe a bit more like how, remember in Kingdom Hearts 2 during the Hollow Bastion War section leading up to the Thousand Heartless battle where you would be running through and fighting Heartless and then a different Final Fantasy character would come along to help you out. I could see something like that because in that case it would be a lot more controlled and a lot more under a lot more clearly understood what you're doing specifically and how those other characters are helping you in that fight. So I feel like situations would probably end up being more like that. That being said, like they're going to do crazy stuff. Like you need not look further than kingdom hearts 0.2 and the demon tide. You know, that's a massive amount of shadows all attacking you at once. And that's really cool. So I would say that regardless of what they do with the technology, I think the most important thing that uh, they should you know, be focusing on is creating unique experiences that couldn't be done before and not worry too much about creating experiences that uh, are only different because they technically couldn't be done before. I think it's more interesting to do things that are uh you, you know compelling you know i don't know if cranking the numbers on something is compelling uh but i do feel like creating unique experiences unique combinations of characters i think that's compelling so could they do it yes will they do it i don't know now if you strap me down to a chair and said brandon you gotta design us uh, a seven guardians of light versus thirteen darknesses all at once. How this is go- how this going to work? All right. So, and 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 here's the stipulation: we want to be able to see all of these guys on screen all at once. So, if they wanted something like that, the best thing I could think of is, uh, so let's say hypothetically speaking. All right, we're in Keyblade Graveyard Land. That just sounds crazy because there's going to be a bunch of Keyblade models everywhere. Oh, man. That sounds expensive, but all right. Whatever. So uh, I think the best model for this is let's let's think back for a second. Let's think back to the Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix secret cutscene. So how did they handle it there? You know, we're talking there are five people fighting at once. Uh, You know, these are just, just five, not 20. So you've got characters that basically pair off and fight each other and they go on their own rampage in the, in the arena, in that area. 
and basically everybody's got their guy that they're fighting and then they're all working their way up to Zemnis eventually Terra gets there fights Zemnis whatever so I feel like maybe something like that could be done um so perhaps let's say you know you know you've got you know you know there's 13 darknesses seven 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 lights so let's say like you got two per guy pretty much and then well more or less two people fighting uh two darknesses fighting one light and they're off in their own separate zones and maybe they're constantly doing a looping animation of them fighting and like you know using different attacks at each other and basically Sora arrives on scene all right I'm I'm here I'm going to help you guys I finally got out of doing whatever the crap I was doing and then maybe Sora can run and let's say it's like you know again this is a little crazy it's like a big arena and then Sora and when I say arena, I don't literally mean an arena. I mean, like, it's the Keyblade Graveyard. It's a big old wasteland with a bunch of Keyblades in it. It's a big old wasteland with a bunch of Keyblades in it. And Sora can dynamically choose to run over to any one of these fights. And just by running there, it will engage with them. Maybe it will be a cutscene to sort of kick it off. But more or less, you can seamlessly go from fight to fight in any order you want until you get to the big bad Xehanort. So, I, yeah, I guess I guess in that case, all right, so that's how it's going to work. It is actually two per guy. Think about this. Two per guy. Uh, so two darknesses to one light. They all have their own area. So that means six fights. And then it all leads up to... Xehanort and he's up on some sort of throne or whatever I don't know and he's just there waiting for you so once you beat each one of those darknesses then it's like all right Xehanort let's do it and then he does some stupid anime crap where he absorbs all the other Xehanorts ah well it seems like these uh, darknesses were a bunch of stupid poopy heads and they lost all of you well whatever I'm gonna absorb all of them and do some sort of transformation because I'm an anime bad guy <coughs> don't let me do that voice again and then you fight him you know anime style so that to me seems like a plausible way to do that sort of a thing but still keep it kind of fun because in effect what that would mean is Sora is joining a particular member of light to even out the odds because <coughs> you know you got one one member of light fighting fighting two members of darkness. Sora comes into that battle. That means it's two on two. So that that would be basically what happens. Now something interesting, something interesting, interesting idea. Uh, what if, depending on who you choose to help, maybe maybe some people you might lose. <gasps> what if you're too slow, and then people die. What if it's like Mass Effect and the suicide mission back in Mass Effect 2 and like maybe maybe you could screw it up and actually lose some lights a- a- along the way. Maybe maybe you lose Kyrie or something. I don't know. You know, there's different ideas of how that sort of thing could be made more interesting. Raise the stakes, make it more interesting. Maybe you got to go through some really crazy backward stuff to make it work so that you could save everybody uh, kind of like a Mass Effect 2. And uh, yeah, so that that's just that's just my game uh, armchair game designer uh, concept for how that would work. That 
I will say personally, that sounds like a massive resource hog and it would be very expensive. Uh, uh, then again, I just thought of one way that you could kind of like mitigate some of the uh, optimization issues is that once you've joined uh, one of the fights, the guys in the background, you can't, they're not really doing too much or maybe they limit it so that any fighter that you can't see, they're not doing anything, they're not being rendered, something like that. But yeah, at some point, we're probably going to do a boss rush, and it might go something like that. So we'll see how it goes, I guess. All right, moving on to the final question. This comes. This one comes from Kartik Saraf. Now, I just want to say, spoiler warnings, bee-woo, wee-woo, wee-woo. We're going to be talking about Kingdom Hearts Union Cross stuff, specifically Season 2 stuff. If you don't want to know about this stuff, wee-woo, wee-woo, shut off the podcast. Thank you for your patronage. Support us on Patreon. I love you. Happy New Year. But we are about to be going into a question that uh, specifically addresses stuff from Season 2. So if, if that's not cool for you, I understand. I love you. See you next episode. Uh, if you're okay with that and you're still here, all right, let's get going. All right, so this one comes from Kartik Saraf. Kartik uh, asks, hey, Brandon. Kartik again. Uh, I have a question that has been puzzling me. I'm currently at quest 715 of Union Cross, and some things aren't adding up. Let me just first say, uh, Mr. Kartif, good on you for getting to <laughs> good on you for getting to quest 700 uh, 715. Uh, let me let me just see. All right, live live update. Where is Brandon? Where is Brandon in Union Cross? I'm actually pretty far, and I've been I've been like I've been cranking this soldier boy to like try to. F- finish this and or not finish but catch up to at least to the north american one because i'm look if it was up to me i would not be playing this game but before you i am biting this bullet to play this 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 game that i don't really like so i am on quest 635 i'm not too far and i'm making good progress and i've got a bunch of overpowered metals that hey guess what i didn't pay for any of it i didn't pay a single dime to this game i don't like so that's good. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm at a uh, six hundred quest six thirty five. But to, uh, to don't worry, Mister Kartik, I, c- I can definitely answer these questions because I already know what happens after this. Uh, so uh, he he goes on to ask. So for one thing, the whole meetup with Ephemera and Scald and the other leaders, followed by the player hanging out with those random dandelions, appear to happen after season one. Given the summary prov- that you provided about season one, but that would mean that the Keyblade War would have ha- would have would have have to have happened, uh, and I don't remember seeing the war happening at all. I didn't see the cutscene of Ephemera and Skull at the Keyblade Graveyard, nor did I have a fight with the four foretellers all at once. Am I going mad? All right, so uh, I have a bit of a, an admission here. I gotta confess something. Uh, something that I did not look into when I did that summary was, uh, I guess I, 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 okay. To be fair, I did look into it, but I guess I didn't find the specific differences, but okay. So there are differences between what I summarized, which was kingdom hearts key and what we are playing now union cross, which is unchained key, the mobile phone game. There are some differences, namely 
the Keyblade War doesn't happen. What? The Keyblade War doesn't happen? No. So basically what what my understanding of it is, is that there is a divergence in the story. And it does have very specific story consequences in terms of like how you see the main player character. And personally, I think it's really interesting the way this works thematically. So the way this sort of shakes out is in Unchained Key slash Union Cross on the phone, the player character does not fight in the Keyblade War. They choose to leave and go off to the other world. The player in Unchained or the player in Kingdom Hearts Key, the web browser game, that player decides to stay back and fight specifically because they've got a lot of friends in this world and they do not want to leave them behind. So that's the reason given. So because the player in Kingdom Hearts Key decided to stay back and fight for their friends, they died in the Keyblade War. And then some, and then again, there's a cut scene that sort of indicates that Ephemera and Skull come and meet them, bring them back to life and then say, Sorry, you got to start things over again. That was basically Square saying in character, uh, sorry that we're shutting down Kingdom Hearts key on the web browser. We really appreciate what you, you know, what you guys did and the fact that you guys played this, uh, but you're going to have to go to Unchained Key. And when you go to Unchained Key, none of your progress carries over. So you're going to have to replay everything. That's basically what they were saying in character in that sequence for uh, Kingdom Hearts Key. In Unchained Key, that's not a problem, even though Ava still says things are going to reboot or whatever. So something that, again, I'm not not too familiar with the issues. I haven't studied it too much. Again, I'm not even caught up. But my understanding is, while they did change some things, they forgot to change some other things, like Ava saying, like, hey, it's going to reboot again. Like, no, we did that reboot already. Whatever. Don't worry. It's not rebooting. Or at least not yet. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, player character in Unchained Key slash Union Cross decides to leave, effectively become a part of the Dandelions or whatever, I guess. Not too, not too clear on that, but apparently they leave they leave the original world and go on to the world beyond, and that's where season two picks up. So that's the difference. They don't fight in the Keyblade War, and it's kind of an you know it's kind of an interesting concept. It's almost like, um, you know, it's almost like a Persona game or even like a Mass Effect where you sort of like choose your own adventure, except Square chose it for you depending on how what platform you chose to play the game on. And, uh, yeah, basically, uh, and they, you know, they rationalize it with the character is that the player character that is in Kingdom Hearts Key decides to fight in the Keyblade War and the character in Unchained Key, the character in Union Cross, decides not to fight in the Keyblade War. And that's the consequence is that they didn't die in the Keyblade War. They didn't fight the Foretellers. They went on and started the world anew. And I guess that's, that might be the canon ending and uh i guess like that well i mean to to be fair yeah they died in the keyblade war but it seems like ephemera and skull came and saved them and threw them into unjinky so however you want to take this situation 
that's the long and the short of it. Keyblade War doesn't happen in Union Cross, not yet at least. Uh, or, or at least they, they, they skip it. Uh, you know, take that for what it is. You may like it, you may not like it. I think it's interesting, but I think it does kind of suck because in America we never had that choice. We are just thrown Unchained Key and Union Cross and that's all that's all we've ever had to play so we we just simply do not get to play that as of right now so we'll see what happens um i wouldn't be surprised if they added it some at some point in some way but like yeah at this point there's really uh really no way to 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 go with that so no you're not going mad this is what they chose to do with uh with union cross uh uh, basically, like at some point, Nomura was saying, like, yeah, at some point, the the stories will diverge, and there is going to be differences between Kingdom Hearts Key and Unchained Key. And personally, I think it's kind of beautiful that it works that way, but I, I definitely understand that, yeah, it's not it's not the greatest uh, for the the players, you know, especially if they wanted to play that. So uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. All right, so. Uh, that's pretty much our show for today. The music for this episode is a cover of Dearly Beloved by Kyle Landry. So as is tradition, every year at the end of the year, Kyle Landry will do a new Dearly Beloved cover. This one is Dearly Beloved 2017. I know it's 2018 already, but let's enjoy it. It's a Kyle Landry cover on piano. It's so good. So uh, yeah, and uh, so yeah, the next Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 30th of January. As always, you guys can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes Store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania. And remember, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. Uh, And send us your emails to KHUQuestions at gmail.com so we can answer your questions on the show. All right, guys, it is that time. It is goodbye time. So can't wait to see you guys for the next episode. As for stuff to look out for in the future, uh, next episode, I don't know. (laughs) Here's hoping there's some juicy stuff we can talk about. I'm hoping it's not leaks. I'm hoping Square gets off their butt and announces a couple of things. Throw us a bone, Square. But uh, in the near future... Uh, specifically on February 10th in Japan, there will be D23 2018 and Kingdom Hearts is going to be there. So keep your eyes open. Keep those peepers peeping around Valentine's Day. Well, before Valentine's Day, because Square's got Square's got a present for us. Is it going to be the time that they like properly kick off their marketing cycle? Maybe. Uh, personally, my opinion for how they're going to handle it is th- they'll probably have a bit of a blowout at, at D23 2018, but I think after that, they'll probably go quiet until E3. And then once E3 happens, then it's like nonstop, open the floodgates, let out the Kingdom Hearts news. <laughs> you know, they've been working so long on this game and they've got so much to show, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it's really gonna start kicking off around E3 2018. So I would say, if you guys don't want to be spoiled by anything, close your eyes, <laughs> close your nose, close your ears, close your mouth. <laughs> don't die. 
I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Don't close your nose and don't close your mouth. Keep those open, but close your eyes, close your ears. You don't need those. And besides, if you close your ears, they'll keep help you stay warm in, in these cold winter months. Uh, yeah, because basically, uh, it, it's it's gonna get it's gonna get spoilery. Like, you know, I, I, I as I've said before, you know, the purpose of marketing is to get people to buy the game. If you already know you're going to buy the game, you do not need to watch trailers. You do not need to watch commercials. Keep your eyes closed. Don't read it. Stay away from the spoilers. Because all that's all those advertisements are going to do for you. They will just serve to spoil the game. That being said, if you are somehow still listening to a Kingdom Hearts podcast and you're not sure... You want to buy Kingdom Hearts 3, then by all means watch the watch the trailers and let them convince you to buy this game. Because <laughs> that's what that's what those things are for. That's what those trailers are for. They are for people who don't know if they want to buy the game. Also, I guess it's for people who don't care about spoilers, which uh I guess there's people like that. I don't personally understand them. Uh I'm just sort of forced to take spoilers, but I do not want to take them. As I've said in the past, if I was not a Kingdom Hearts podcast host, I would have been on media blackout years ago. And I would have not, because, like, after the announcement, it's like, all right, I'm good. I don't want to know anything else. I want to go into this completely fresh. I probably, yeah, I I would have still definitely played 2.8. So I would have been caught up to that, but I wouldn't have seen any other trailers. I keep my eyes closed. Keep my Keep my nose closed. Keep my mouth closed. I don't even want to breathe in the spoilers. So that, that's just personally how I would have I would handle it if I could personally choose specifically how I would handle it. You know, if if I if I wasn't the host of the, of the podcast. But Kesara Sara, what will be will be. I'm gonna see spoilers, and there's nothing I can do about it. So anyway, yeah, that's that's what's coming up soon. Got D23 2018 in Japan. Trust me, I've looked into going there. It does not seem easy. So I probably will not be going there. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.